Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. If you have your Bibles this morning, take them and find John chapter 8. John chapter 8 this morning is where we're going to be. We've been in our series called The Moment. The Moment. These are life-changing encounters with Jesus Christ. To look at all these different characters and how that when they encounter Jesus, their life changed. And that's the one thing that we have found as the common denominator in all these people that we looked at is when they encountered on a personal level Jesus Christ, the moment that they had with him absolutely changed their life forever. Now, three out of the five people that we've looked at so far, they came looking for Jesus. They believed that if... They could just get in Jesus' presence, right? If they could just touch Jesus or if Jesus could somehow just touch them, that they would be healed and their lives would be changed. And that's exactly what happened. Two of the five characters that we've looked at now, they didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus and the disciples actually found them, right? The blind man, you'll remember, and the dying girl. They didn't seek out Jesus, but Jesus found them and their lives were also changed. So we watched Jesus change lives over these last four weeks with these five different characters. We've seen him heal a paralyzed man. We've seen him cast out demons out of a man. We've watched him uh, give sight to the blind man, heal a woman of a blood disease. And then last week even we have watched Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. All these were life-changing events that happened because these people encountered Jesus Christ. And of course, that's certainly what we are encouraging each of you here this morning, watching online, listening to this podcast today, is how might you encounter Jesus and the very fact that in that moment, your life will also be changed or has already been changed and will be changed again every single time that you encounter Jesus. Now, today's story, though, is going to show us a little bit different side of Jesus than we've seen so far, right? Today's story is kind of like a little bit different from all the previous five because today's story is not going to involve a miracle. It's not going to involve the miraculous like we've been looking at. However, it will be life-changing Nonetheless, it's a story that's pretty popular uh, for people to look at because it reads much like a soap opera and like a Hallmark movie uh, that, um, that we might see. And it comes from John chapter 8. John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles there, we're going to begin with verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 11. It's the story, the life changing story of the adulterous woman, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. It reads like this. So Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, as they always did, and he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been, get this now, caught in the act of adultery. Okay, this was an active thing going on and she was caught. They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? 
They were trying to trap him, that is Jesus, into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and he said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust, verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So right away, we have three main characters in our story today, right? We've got Jesus who doodled something in the dirt. So those of you who are into doodling, we know you're just trying to be more like Jesus every day, right? We get that, okay. So you're good to go, and now you have your life verse to go with it, all right? Uh, we have the woman who was caught in this act of sexual immorality, and then we have the accusers who are trying to discredit Jesus. So those are our three main uh, characters here. But like the blind man and the dying girl, this woman, she didn't seek out this encounter with Jesus. Not at all. Matter of fact, in all likelihood, she probably didn't even know who Jesus was, right? Because she was an immoral woman and she was not looking for religious things in her life, apparently. But she literally was pushed into this moment with Jesus Christ. Have you ever had an embarrassing moment yourself? You know, one of those where you'd like to just completely erase the entire day away? Yeah, sure, we all have. I see head shaking, and we could probably spend the rest of the day going around the room sharing embarrassing stories. Some of you wish we're going, no, mine's too embarrassing to share in church, okay? There's no way I would even share it, uh, much less in church. But anyway, we've all had these. Well, this woman today, she had a very embarrassing moment right and I'm sure this woman is like most of us here today and I don't mean by that that you're immoral or that you're bad but I believe she like many of us she never thought that she would be caught in her sin right we never think we're going to get caught in our sin she never thought it'd be found out number 32 23, though, changed my life. It says this, you can be sure your sins will find you out. The reason it changed my life is because that was one of my mama's favorite verses, all right? She was always quoting it to me, your sins will find you out, son. And, uh, you know, every time I would get in trouble, which was quite often as a young boy, um, she would get up in my face, and I know I've told you some of this before, but she would get up in my face and she would say, now you look me right in the eye. And you tell me the truth because God knows, right? And see, I wasn't the sharpest crayon in the box, so it took me a little while to figure out that God knows everything anyway. But as long as my mama didn't find out, I'd live a little bit longer, right? And so finally I learned just to let God know what was going on and keep it from my mama. But just like that, this woman, this woman was caught in an act that she never thought she would be caught in. And not only did God know what she had done, but everyone was finding out. She had been brought out in public. I mean, it's like, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, 
uh, Twitter, all on steroids, all at one time. I mean, boom, there it is. I mean, it's put out there for the whole world to see. Everybody was looking at this woman. And she was caught in the very act of her sin. There was no denying it. There was no defense. There was, there was no dignity left anymore. And there she was on display. And of all things, during a Bible study, remember when, what was going on when she was brought out to the crowd? Jesus was teaching Sunday school. Jesus himself. And so she's brought out in front of a Bible study class. And some of you are going, praise God, that's never happened. And praise it never does it mine, right? But it happened here to this woman. And these religious leaders, they, they only wanted to publicly humiliate this woman and Jesus. That's all they wanted to do. They wanted to trap Jesus and destroy his ministry. They wanted to humiliate this woman and destroy her life. But in their rush to accuse her, they ended up actually bringing her to the safest place that she could ever hope to be. And that was at the feet of Jesus. You know, that's what I love about the hope that we have in God today is that when evil wants to destroy us, God wants to deliver us. Amen? Oh, come on now. I said when evil wants to destroy us, God wants to deliver us. Amen? Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness out there? All right, now, good. Now, now we're having it going on. Yeah, thank you for waking up. Maybe I put you to sleep there at the beginning. Too much intro. I'll take note of that next time. All right. Yes. Yes, God wanted to deliver. See, they knew the law. Jesus knew the law, and so the law says stoner. But what do you say, Jesus, about this? The motivation behind it all, remember, was to lay a trap, to hope Jesus would say something that would disagree with the law, something that they could accuse him of doing wrong, and something that they could use against Jesus so that he would quit changing people's lives with these moments that he kept encountering people who needed hope in their life. Why would somebody do that? Why would religious leaders not want to deliver hope instead of trying to destroy lives. just doesn't make sense. And so God in the flesh, Jesus, the creator of the law himself, he could have said anything he wanted when he was asked that question. But what did Jesus do? He said nothing. He said nothing. And he simply bent down and he began to doodle something with his finger in the dirt. Kind of like what we used to do when we draw up some football plays. You know, I've got one here I used to draw up. It was one of my favorites, and it kind of went something like that. Because I'm from Alabama. We play football over there. And, uh, no, they actually weren't this elaborate. It was more like you go there and you go there. I'm going to hum the ball up there, and you try to catch it, okay? We're going to go wrong with that one, all right? But the Bible doesn't tell us. You can take that one off now. Everybody's trying to figure out who's blocking who and who's getting the ball and what's going on. It's quite distracting, okay? But, I mean, you've got to have a college degree to do that stuff right there, right? All right. All right. Maybe that's what it is. They're using too many X's and O's on there. But uh, anyway, we don't know what Jesus stooled in the dirt. The Bible doesn't say. And so because of that, there's been much, much speculation over the years, right, about what he wrote in the dirt. And many people would speculate and say, you know, he wrote down the names of all the other men this adulterous woman had slept with, many of them being in the crowd that day. And that would make sense. That's, that's a good, you know, that's not a far fetch. 
Uh, others say he wrote down every person's name who was standing there, which first of all would have been quite miraculous to know everyone's name and never met them before. And not only did he write down their name, but outside of every person's name, he wrote down their sin. What, what their besetting sin was, what was always being repeated in their life, no matter what they seemed to do to try to get away from it, you know, uh, anger, envy, pride, you know, gluttony, uh, all, all these evil things that all these people were doing. Some say and speculate that Jesus was just pausing for a moment to get his thoughts together, like God needs time to get his thoughts together. Now, it'd be smart on my part sometimes to pause to get my thoughts together, but God doesn't need time to get his thoughts together. So we don't know what he did. We'll never know. We could just speculate. But there's no speculation as to what the law said about this event. The penalty for this sexual sin was death and death by stoning. They had memorized. These religious leaders, these Pharisees, they had, re- they had memorized Deuteronomy 2222 that says if a man is discovered committing adultery notice that it's not if the woman's caught if the man is discovered committing adultery both he and the woman must die in this way you will purge Israel of such evil but here in this case the man is nowhere to be found there's no punishment for this crime of death for both the man and the woman they knew that the first rule had been broken, and they had broken it right away because they had caught this woman in the very act of adultery, right? The Bible says that. So we know the man was there, but apparently they didn't want to involve him, so they just let him go and brought the woman out to accuse her in front of all the people. And so this was a clear violation of the oracle law of God, and it was in clear violation of what God had intended and set up and what should have been going on at this time. And these religious leaders, these Pharisees, remember, they were meticulous about keeping the law. And so they knew it. They knew it very well, and they knew that they had already broken it. So here is where Hebrew tradition kind of becomes a little bit interesting, at least for me, and I hope it is for you too, because this is where the doodling in the dirt becomes very important. And not so much what he doodled in the dirt, but the very fact of him doing it. Because, see, according to Hebrew tradition, what would happen is when someone was brought before the priest and was accused of doing something wrong and had to face disciplinary action, the priest was required to do two things. Number one... He had to write down what the law was that was broken and what the person was being accused of, all right? And then second of all, he had to write the names of the person being accused, all right? So back in the days that this was going on, they didn't have smartphones with smart pens and one note and sticky note. They didn't have any of that, right? Uh, they didn't have iPads and tablets and other things that they could put it into, right? They had some other tablets, but not the kind that we know about. But anyway, uh, they didn't have dry marker boards and dry erase markers, right? They didn't have chalkboard and chalk. Now, I lost some of you under 30 back a few steps ago. I understand that, but just, just bear with me a little bit. But, but they, they didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't have any of that stuff to record this on, but yet the priest was required to write down the law that was broken, and the name of the accused. So guess what? Would anybody like to venture what the priest would do? He would simply take his finger and he would bend down in the dust or the dirt that was on the floor of the temple where this was going on. 
And he would use his finger in that dust that had gathered, and he would write out the law, and he would write out the name of the accused. And so I believe what Jesus was silently saying here was, guys, you and I both know you've broken your traditions. You're not doing this the right way. But just so you know that I know that you know, I'm going to do it the right way. And he began to do what the priest would have done under normal circumstances. I think that's very interesting. And I don't know what he wrote in the dust, but the very fact that he was doing what was supposed to be done was keeping the tradition of the law. And so it's like the Pharisees are going, well, that didn't go quite as planned. You know, that, that really didn't uh, go like I thought it would. I really didn't see that one coming. And so it infuriated them even more, of course. And so they demanded once again that Jesus respond to the question, what are you going to do? And so the God of heaven stood up in earthly form as Jesus. And he reminded the Pharisees, and he reminds you and I today of something very important, and that is every single one of us in this room today, every single one of you watching online, every single one of you listening to my voice by podcast today, every single one of us, we stand in need of forgiveness. We stand in need of being forgiven of our sin. And so he says in the last part of verse 7, he says, Let the one who has never sinned, Throw the first stone. Yes, that's what the law says, stoner. But those of you without any sin, you pick up the first rock and you throw it at her. And then he stooped down again. And he wrote in the dust a second time. And so, see, we, 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 I don't know, all, all these times before I've been going, like, oh, yeah, man, that is so awesome. Jesus, you just, you just get them. Mm, boom, you know. I loved it, man. It's like Jesus just, mm, I wish I'd have thought of that, man. I, I wish I was that smart. I wish I could come up with stuff like that. Maybe I need to doodle in the dirt a little bit longer, you know. But Jesus, like, comes back with this saying, those of you without sin, you throw the first rock. And we're like, yeah, man, God, that is awesome. And we miss this moment that is so sad in this whole story. It's the saddest part of the whole story. Because you know what? It's the moment that the Pharisees could have had a life-changing moment with Jesus themselves and they missed it they missed the moment yes they threw down their rocks but they didn't come and kneel down at the feet of jesus go jesus please forgive me of my vile act jesus forgive me of my sin forgive me of my evil intent god i repent forgive me show me that same love and compassion you're showing this woman today no they didn't do that yeah they dropped the rock and that was good but they walked away Instead of turning to Jesus, they turned away from Jesus. And they missed the moment. Some say, well, you know, well, I think they did have a, a life-changing moment with Jesus when they did all of that, but I, I really don't think so. I, I think they responded like many people today when the moment with Jesus presents itself. Their plan didn't work, so they felt like failures. You know? They um, might have felt some guilt but that didn't lead them to repentance. And there's a big difference between feeling guilty about what you're doing wrong and repenting of what you're doing wrong. There really is. And there's no indication that anything changed in their heart that day. I believe that they walked away the same way that they came in. They simply left to try to figure out another way to destroy 
Jesus' ministry. But here is where the story takes the good turn, right? This is where Jesus and the woman is standing there alone. And there is where the Son of God, God himself, could have said anything that he wanted to that woman. After all, that's who he was. He was God in the flesh. He had every right in the world to counsel her on all the reasons why her adultery was wrong. He had every reason in the world, every insight into why she had made all these wrong decisions that had put her in the position that she was in, where she could have, in that moment, lost her life that day. And he could have drilled down on her about, you know, if you'd have just prayed more, if you'd just gone to church more, if you'd have been more committed as a teenager and gone to the youth group stuff more, if you'd have been at vacation Bible school instead of going, you know, wherever you was going that night, if you'd have just been more active in the church, if you'd have just done all these kind of things, then you wouldn't be in this place now. But it is during this encounter her encounter with Jesus, not the one with the religious accusers, this is where we really see who God is. We see the true character of God in the flesh. You see, we see a God who's not a cosmic sheriff trying to shoot us down every time we do something wrong. It is here where we see God is not the guy who wants to sentence you to a life that is dull and boring. That's not what Christianity is. And if you think Christianity is dull and boring, you just need to become one and give it a try for about a year and tell me what you think about it. All right? And God is not the person who wants to hold us hostage this morning to all of our failures and to all of our shortcomings. That's not the God that I know. That's not the God in this word here. And so Jesus says to the woman, and he says to you and I today some of the greatest words that it could ever be said. He said, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And so Jesus is saying to this woman, he's saying to you today, look around you. You are free. You are free. I did what I came to do for people. I came to save them. I came to set them free. I came to save you today. I came to set you free today. And Jesus says, go and sin no more. He accepts her without approving of her sin. He didn't bring up her past, her adulterous acts, but rather he focused on her future. He didn't give her a lecture uh, he didn't give her a sermon. He just says, go. Go. You're, you're free. You're, I don't condemn you of this. Go. But, you know, as you go, just live different. Make some changes. Because Jesus knew, just like with these Pharisees, if he said go and that's all he said, just like those Pharisees, the Pharisees went too, didn't they? They left. They, they went. They, they goed. Okay? That's what uh, Levi, he, they spent the weekend weekend with us this weekend and he he said daddy mac i turned my lights off last night in the room and in my bed underneath there when i turned those light, lights off those little stars that you've got under my bed they glued <laughs> they glued okay that's plural for glow if you didn't get it okay but they glued so anyway these these guys these pharisees they had also gone away but like the pharisees don't be one who goes away, but you don't make any changes. He told her to go, but make some changes. Because when you go and you never make any changes, you stay a slave to your sin. And what you find is that you continue to repeat that sin. And that sin cycle over and over and over. Is anybody with me today? You've got that besetting sin and you just can't seem to get past it. It just keeps coming back. And it keeps coming back. And it keeps coming back. It's because we go, but we don't make any changes. And we don't live life any differently. You're free this morning. Jesus has set you free with the moment 
that you encountered him. And he will change your life if you let him. So it is the perfect picture of love. It's the perfect picture of forgiveness. And most of all, it is a beautiful picture of hope this morning. I think if Jesus were to say it in modern words today, he would say it like this. I forgive you of all of your past. Now go live like it. That's what he was saying today. That's what he was saying to the woman. I forgive you of all your past. Don't worry about it. Just go live like you've been changed. Live like you've had the moment. If you had that kind of encounter with Jesus that it changed your life, that you felt free, live like it. You know, sometimes we look for Jesus on our own. Sometimes we get thrown into the moment with Jesus, right? But irregardless which way it goes, will you turn to Jesus this morning instead of away from him? Because that's our two choices. We either turn to Jesus or we turn away from him. Would you be interested in a life-changing moment with Jesus today? Wash your hope so. Because just like this woman caught in her sin, we can have our sins forgiven as well. And so when it comes to the sin in your life this morning, what are you going to do with it? Because, see, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? I always try to have this question that I ask for every sermon I prepare is, so what? Get up, give a great talk, you know, so what? What do we do now? I'm glad you asked me about that this morning because I've got to sew up for you. It's real quick. I want to give you three options that you have to do with your sin. You say, three more points? I thought we were almost there. They're really short, okay? Say, I've been sitting out there. I know how it is. All right, here's, here's your three options for your sin this morning. So let's get serious now because we all have sin in our life, right? We do. We do. We could all raise our hands. We all have something in our life that stands between us and the Lord. And for some of us in here, it's that besetting sin that we just can't seem to get rid of. And that cycle just keeps repeating itself. So some of you here this morning, you're slaves to sin. You've got three options this morning. Number one, you can deny it. All right, you can deny it. You can just simply say, you know what, everything's going to be okay. You can say, you know, I'm going to keep on going down the same road that I'm on now. I'm going to keep getting the same results and just hope it'll go away maybe one day and things will get better. And you're going to end up living a hard, miserable life without God. And you're going to end up dying separated from God and living eternity in a place called hell if you continue to deny your sin. That's what the Bible teaches. But not only can we deny it this morning, I pray that you don't. I pray that you get delivered from it. All right, because you can. Jesus is the deliverer. He's the one who gives hope. But not only can we deny it, the second thing that we can do is we can dwell on it. We can dwell on it. We can sit around, you know, we think about how terrible a person we are. I'm sure this lady who was caught in adultery, there had been many times when she lay her head on a pillow at night and tried to go to sleep, go, you know, I wish I was a different person. I wish I was an upstanding citizen. I wish I wasn't living this kind of lifestyle. Maybe that's you today. And I'm not saying that that's your particular besetting sin, but I'm saying whatever sin that has enslaved you today that is so heavily weighing you down that you can't let go of and live for the Lord that you would say, you know what? I need to quit dwelling on it. I need to quit sitting around and thinking about how terrible a person I am, how, how messed up everything is, how hopeless things are, how all these terrible decisions I made have led me down to the place where I'm at now and I am just simply useless because that's not the truth. You don't have to dwell on it. You can let Jesus deliver you from it this morning, if you will. And that's the third choice this morning is just deal with it. Just deal with it. In this moment today, this morning, right now with Jesus, deal with your sin. Realize that God loves you just like he did that woman that was caught. Acknowledge your sin before God. Confess your sin. Ask him to forgive you of it. He will. He loves you more than anybody. He'll forgive you of that sin. And accept the hope that Jesus gives for a life of purpose 
and with meaning. You don't have to stay enslaved to that sin and then go and live a different life and point others to that same love, forgiveness, and hope that people are out there looking for. Man, they're looking for it. But you've got to live it yourself. Don't deny it. Don't dwell on it. Deal with it. Let Jesus deliver you from it. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we do come to this place of invitation as every head's bowed and every eye's closed where each individual this morning must determine for themselves what they're going to do with their sin in their life. And so I encourage each person that is listening right now to confess it to the Lord, to agree with God that there are things that stand between you and Him. And if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, would you do that right now? Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me even right now. I want to have that moment where you change my life and forgive me like you did this woman who was caught in the very act today. I want you to change my life. He'll do that, I promise you. His word is always true. And if you've already done that and you've been enslaved to some besetting sin in your life this morning, God wants to set you free from that. Would you not dwell on it? Would you just ask Him to deliver you? And then would you go and live differently? That's what God wants you to do today, and I trust that you would do that even now. God, we ask that we would simply be obedient and respond to what you've called us to do in this moment of decision as we give our hearts and we give our lives to you, and we ask it in the name of of Christ and all God's people said. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.